Hey everybody, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. We're back after a little break. Thanks for being patient with us as we regrouped after the craziness that was Nationals. But we're back now. We're going to be in your podcast feeds more frequently. And uh, we really appreciate you listening. It's been a really fun last six weeks or so for us. Before we introduce you to today's guest, you know it's my job to thank everybody who has supported this podcast and remind you of the ways that you can do that. Your support is the primary financial assistance that this podcast gets, and we use that to expand our coverage of Division Three distance running and track and field, running, jumping, throwing. One great example is the photographers we were able to bring to nationals. Thanks to everybody who chipped in to help compensate them and grow our network as they provided awesome content for the D3 universe. If you want to get involved, you can find links in the show notes to different ways to support this podcast. The easiest one is Venmo. You can think of that as our internet tip jar. The link is in the description down below. We also have a Patreon. Thanks to Kevin, our newest patron. We really appreciate that monthly support. It helps us plan ahead a little bit for different things we want to do and different projects we want to undertake. If you are not able or not willing to support the podcast financially, that's totally cool too. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share it with a friend, a coach, a teammate, a parent, whatever. That helps us get the word out too and is very much appreciated. All right, that was kind of a long spiel. So I'm going to turn it over to Stu to introduce you to our guest today. Today, we welcome Ethan Gregg on to the podcast. He's been on a few episodes before, whether it was a contenders episode or instant reaction from breaking or being a part of the race that broke the 5K record with Patska and Alex Phillip. But now we have him on for a full length feature film and get to know Ethan inside of the grinder that he is. He lets us know, you know, what keeps him going, why he is all in on running and what he sees in his future. There's a part there where he talks about his mentality and how he realizes this is what he wants to do. And it just a light bulb went off that this kid is going to be something special when he graduates. He's already pretty special right now after winning the 3K national championship indoors, ran 2840 in the 10K recently, number two all time. And he's not done yet. He'll be back at Wisconsin lacrosse for another year or so due to COVID eligibility. This was a fun episode. Really enjoy, you know, getting to know him and hearing what makes him be such a tough runner. Yeah, a lot of takeaways, a lot of good quotes from this episode. One one of the main takeaways for me was that, you know, being a great teammate can make you a great athlete. And I think a lot of people will hear that in Ethan's story and just how he's so committed to the running and the well-being of his teammates that that comes right back to him and just fuels his own fire. So Anyway, thanks to Ethan for spending some time with us, and thanks to you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the other side. Here's to the glory days. All right, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. It's been a bit, but we're back with an exciting episode with the newly minted Second all-time in the 10K in D3 history, Ethan Gregg. Ethan, welcome back. Oh, wait, and a national champion now. I forgot that off of your resume. National champion, number two in the 10K. Ethan Gregg, welcome back to D3 Glory Days. Thank you for having me. 
it's been a wild month since the last time we spoke with you, since you, you know, broke initially broke the record with Patska at that basically a dual meet free wall. You've won a national championship. You ran 2840 in the 10K. Let's start with the most recent with that 10K out at Stanford. Based on social media, it looks like you had to not only negative split, but take the lead, which I know you're probably not too afraid to do. But when you got to Stanford, I'm sure you're kind of hoping to sit in the train for once in your racing style. No, yeah. So going in, we we're waiting for the heat sheets to come out. And we we're like, it was like a Hail Mary for me to get into that into the fast heat. And maybe I just ride the train. But uh, no, uh, Peter's prepared me to he just prepared me like you're probably gonna have to end up doing a lot of work so going in I knew that I was gonna do it and then yeah throughout the race some guys took over some leading and slowed it down but yeah what was your 10k pb prior to this 2936 so so almost a full minute off how do you and I'm sure you knew you were capable of running a time like this but it's still different you know, being out there actually doing it. How did you psychologically prepare to, you know, see these fast early splits, but still be confident in yourself that while you're ahead of where you've been, you're exactly where you need to be. Just my overall confidence and uh, in the training that uh, coach Petish and coach Stan place out. I think, uh, I don't know. It sounds a bit, uh, it might come across like really confident me saying this, but it's like hard for me to picture failing with the setup that I have over here. Yeah. Take us into the setup you have. I think, you know, we've shared a few times on social media, your facilities obviously are very nice. You have a great training partner to train with, but take us into, you know, that last statement of like, you can't pick yourself failing with the setup that you have. No, I mean, coming in, uh, like freshman year, I knew that this was like a historic program, great coaches and just overall great team, great team culture, great facilities, being able to have those ATs and have those, I mean, now like a brand new field house, which we're very spoiled to have. To go back to Stanford, kind of walk us through the race a little bit. Talk about how you were feeling during those early Ks when the pace was being set. I mean, the 10K, you need to have a lot of patience. How did it play out in that like first 5K? Yeah, the plan going in was uh, I had direct orders to not do any leading until around 5K. So feeling out the pace that we were clipping 70s 69s and I could feel as like we are not moving too quick but uh I just told myself just kept reminding myself to relax and uh just trusting my instinct that I'll know when to uh when to get up there and uh I'm thankful that I got up there when I did because yeah I think I got the race moving to where it needed to go at what point did you feel like some momentum? Because the 10K, I think you could like are gradually building through the race on good days. When did you kind of know that you were on a good one and you'd have the ability to push? I think at uh, it was more of a frustration. It was more of a frustration coming through 5K and seeing um, seeing 1431. Thir- and yeah, part of my brain was just ah, like, ah, shit. Now I have to really just. I told myself, well, now I really have to crank it down. I don't understand why you go out to Stanford and slow the pace down. Like, do you know who, who the culprits are of just like not wanting to take the lead? Um, I don't, but 
I I was a little I will say I'm a little surprised that I was in a heat with a lot of D1 guys and no one really wanted to run everyone was complacent with running 440 pace they're just trying to get to regionals that's like also they, true. yeah I mean it, I think it is kind of different because you are like qualifying for nationals they're just qualifying for regionals that's also true and that in, their, also- in their defense in their defense no, no. yeah I agree, <laughs> I agree. And I'm assuming you make the trip out there to take a stab at the record. And so you mentioned that you, you know, were frustrated going out slow. What did you do, you know, mid race to kind of readjust, realign yourself to not let that affect you negatively, but propel you forward. Cause I'm sure you're like, all right, calculating what you have to run the last five K in to take a stab at that record. Right. I knew going in, whatever I got out in, whether that was 40, I was, uh, Peters prepared me like the race could go out in 1440 and you might just have to crank it down or might get down 1420 and you still have to crank it down. But, uh, I knew it was in my capabilities to close it in that like 14 flat range. But again, just staying, uh, as calm as possible. And I'm really good at the positive self-talk in race, just the positive affirmations of you can do this. You can, you, you are able and more than capable of, uh, closing it down. What was the feeling like when you crossed the line? Like, how were you feeling physically, first of all, off a hard close, but also, you know, when did you look at the clock and kind of let it sink in a little bit? I looked at the clock right as I crossed the line and I saw 2840. And uh, to be honest, it was uh, it was bittersweet because two seconds off the three seconds off the record. But then also I know that uh, I did everything I could could with the cards that I was dealt so yeah walking away walking away with that race knowing that there is a lot more do you feel like you want to go after it again this season and I'll focus in on getting some qualifiers and tuning up like what's where's your mindset at in terms of like record chasing nationals is going to be really fast hey you said that last time and you uh you, you were true to your word yeah so that's the plan uh yeah, try to get after it at nationals because that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, speaking of nationals, let's take a, a jump back to indoors. You know, as we were able to call both of your exciting races, you know, most likely or is, I should say, definitively the greatest D3 5K race ever, given the times that you all ran championship records, breaking the previous record. And again, it starts off kind of slow and you work your way up into the lead and you do not let it you know, you don't let it go slow and you just kept pushing. Take us through, you know, the mindset. You already kind of alluded to it that it would be fast and it was, but what was it like to actually like act on it and keep that race honest? Right. So it kind of, it really goes all the way back to cross country nationals where we saw me try to hammer from the start and um, being very honest with myself and honest with you guys. Um, that wasn't me fully that cross country nationals race, that race. I didn't fully commit to the hammer. I think, uh, I think I did really kind of let off the gas mentally as soon as I knew the pack was reeling me in. So that was eating away at me for months, knowing that I, knowing what I could have done if I just tried to keep hammering, even if it was physical, if it was cold, but, uh, um, Going into both races, I knew that it was only gas, gas, gas. 
to employ the strategy that you employ that like front running strategy, you really have to believe that you're the fastest guy in the field because you're going out there to test like the high end of everybody's fitness. There's no tactics, no gamesmanship, no like sprint to the finish. So do you believe you're the fastest guy in division three? I think I am one of them currently. I, d- I think I'm in the best, uh, like what you, what we've been saying. I think we're in the best generation of, uh, division three runners. And, uh, I'm just, yeah, very grateful to be a part of the, be a part of this and being one of the ones at the forefront pushing the pace. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just glad to be here. I'm trying to bait you into like taking <laughs> shots at people here. Yeah. <laughs> very no, diplomatic I, answer. Yeah. I, I do not think I'm anywhere near the best runner. There's loads of other talented guys in this division. And I think just what separates me between them is just, uh, my ability to grind. Yeah. It was cool to see, you know, Pasca taking 5k, you taking 3k, especially with what you guys did. And I think it just shows the, the progression that you guys have taken. Cause Alex Phillip has been dominating, you know, the last year into cross country and you guys were taking stabs at him, taking stabs at him, but it finally clicked and to have Patska win one and you win one. What was, you know, that emotion like given your all's relationship and what you all did together at Whitewater? Uh, after I won the three K, uh, Christian came up to me and he was just like, dude, two titles co- coming back to the WEAC. And uh, yeah, that was just a pretty cool moment between us. And we shared a, a good embrace of brotherhood, but uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing. I really uh, looking back at the 5k. Um, my dad talked to me immediately after he's like, dude, like, I love you, but there's nothing you could have done to beat that kid. Day. <laughs> like, he just took off like a gazelle gazelle. I don't even know. Yeah. I want to take you back to the, like the time, the period of time between the 5k and the 3k, you know, you, you, you implement your strategy. It doesn't, I mean, you run great, but it doesn't pay off with a win and you still have the 3k coming up and there's no doubt in anyone's mind that you're going to do the exact same thing. So how do you like have the confidence to come out and play the same hand twice after it doesn't work out the first time? After the 5k, there was like, a lot of eeriness I saw on that fin- or on the finish line. And I just saw um, and felt a lot of like, oh shit, this is going to happen again tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I just really wanted and I also needed to capitalize on that fear. We need to make a t shirt with your face and it just says, oh shit, this is going to happen again tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't typically like go back to watch races to, to hear ourselves talk, but you all posted a, the highlight reel basically of your three K and we were, Noah had a great line of like, will we see Ethan Greg again? And like, as he was saying it, you make your way from literally last all the way to the front and no one ever saw you again. When you make that move, and we kind of talked about it briefly when I saw you, you know, after on on Saturday, like you committed to that move finally. But when you made that initial one, did you realize like that was really the only move realistically that like you had to make? Like obviously you had to, you had to stay on it, but like it was one move and it was basically over for the most part. Right. Yeah, I didn't think uh yeah, I thought I was gonna have to throw in 
a lot like uh maybe a bit more like to uh get rid of some guys but uh yeah i'm a i'm a little surprised more guys didn't come with but uh i guess it worked out for me how did it feel to finally win one pretty cool yeah um very grateful uh there's like like i said i posted some on Instagram like the the saying of it takes a village so i mean it takes not even like i couldn't even name off everyone who helped me get here and just knowing the 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 trials and tribulations that it took to get to that point uh i think it was just a a capitalization of what i'm doing is working i think one cool moment for me was like everyone's kind of clearing out you know meets over you won your championship whatever and you're still just just running around the track, cooling down. I felt like you were out there forever and just, just like mostly just by yourself. Like what were you thinking about while you were just kind of running around the oval? I was probably, I couldn't tell you exactly at the time what I was reflecting about. I was probably just like, uh, still like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> that was, I, I, that's still going around in my head just saying like, Oh my gosh, that plan actually worked. Um, but just thinking about, uh, my teammate Isaac probably uh he uh ultimately had to scratch out of the event after uh warming up and realizing that the the injury and pain that he was uh dealing with was too much too much to go into a race a championship race so just reflecting on how I might a lot everything that I've done wouldn't have been possible without Isaac this year. He um he took a big risk uh training with me and uh him and Coach Petish they sat down and I mean he said that he wanted he wanted the work and he wanted to train with me. He said Ethan needs a training partner. And he knew that he wasn't there yet. And he knows he was probably training a bit too hard at times throughout the season. But uh, he did it and he did it for me because that's, that's what we do here. <laughs> he, yeah, just reflecting on how good of a guy Isaac is. Have you got to tell him, you know, about like that, what you just said right there, have you had a conversation? It was like, Hey, this wouldn't be without you. Yes. And it, yes. And I don't know if he'll ever have it sink in, uh, how integral, integral he was into that. But, uh, uh, training with him every day is, I hope that's like, I hope it's a memory that he's going to hold for a lifetime. Cause Would I know you- I am. Would you like to officially nominate him as teammate of the year right now? I would. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's our first nomination, Stu. Yeah. I like it. We should maybe We're, do that. That's actually maybe, a really good idea. Yeah. Maybe every episode we ask for the teammate of the year. And then at the end we have like a, like a listener poll. Well, speak, staying on the topic of teammates, something really cool that we got to see from above and also rewatching it was, your team on the, I guess the outside of the track, kind of watching you down that finishing line, specifically Sam Blaskowski, the iconic photo that 
Alan Lamb took of him just literally inches away from your face, screaming into you of like how fired up he was. And you're kind of screaming back at him. You know, how cool was that to just have your entire team behind you? But also, you know, there's always this sprinter distance divide. And I was the national meet that's never going to be there. But to see you two, you know, legends of the meet kind of come together was really cool to see. I was worried he was like going to hurt you. <laughs> he was he was like pushing and shoving you and shit. I was like, leave him yeah. alone. <laughs> no, I got I got swarmed after that, and that that just juiced me up even more. And I was screaming. It was awesome. But uh, Sam Blaskowski is the epitome of energy. He's got he he's got whatever whatever he's got in his brain. It's to be the biggest cheerleader that the team needs, and he has unwavering faith that every teammate is going to be able to hit that mark, run that time in order to get, get to the conference, get to nationals and even win. he's, yeah, he's telling, he's telling all of our guys, you can win fucking nationals. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And as a program, I believe it's the first time a, a program is swept an indoor national meet you and the, the men's, the women's team come away with two trophies what was that experience like, you know, not only experiencing with your direct teammates on the men's side, but also the women's side as well? Right. I think it, I mean, it was awesome. It feels like, uh, I was really, uh, able to soak it, soak it all in. I feel in, uh, really just appreciate that this moments like this don't happen to everyone and to just be very appreciative that I'm experiencing that for myself. And, uh, I mean, winning a team title is like that's the ultimate goal in this. In I mean, at least collegiately for me, winning a team title is the ultimate goal. So just being part of that is very cool. Yeah, I think a lot of you know people, a lot of athletes who operate on the elite level, they they can chase personal accolades, but not many people get the opportunity to be like an elite athlete on an elite team i think that's like pretty rare um so i mean it must be so cool for you to show up to practice every day and just see national champions and just have that mentality that's in i i try to relay that a lot to like the younger like look around like look to the left there's there's logan larson all american in the pole vault there's sam blaskowski literally greatest sprinter arguably of all time in division three and uh i mean guys like training yeah like look look there's isaac (laughs) yeah it's a it's a pretty cool experience to walk into just a beautiful facility beautiful new uh field house that's a plug for recruits um well now you can say look at me i'm ethan greg maybe (laughs) maybe one day (laughs) so how do you take that leadership role and like say hey look around you but without you know, adding pressure or making high expectations. Like how do you keep your teammates grounded, even though like around you are just a bunch of national champions and all Americans? I think it's the foundation that we set that you will develop into that. If you understand. Yeah. I'm trying to put, I think, uh, when you get here as a freshman, the, the, uh, not to put the expectation and the pressure on, but, uh, we'll tell you like the older, the seniors, juniors, and the coaches will tell you like, this is the expectation when you're older and to be those players and to be those top guys. So just being able, being like fully submerged in it right away of of this is how, 
this is how it gets done, I think is a pretty big part. You've been operating on a really high level for, you know, about a, about a month now between nationals and, and Stanford. Um, a lot of like, um, you know, big emotional peaks. Um, how are you feeling mentally right now? Are you still, still in the game or have you gotten a chance to like step back and, and breathe a little bit? Yeah. After Stanford, I, I got some, uh, I'll have some time to take a, take a step back, focus on training, not really, uh, not really have to muster up more mental energy to go to the deep dark place that I tend to go a lot. So yeah, taking some, taking some time to recoup and, uh, yeah, feeling mentally good, feeling mentally great. And, uh, yeah, I attribute that to the culture I have around me and my teammates and my friends and family. I think we touched on it briefly on your, you know, two shorter stints here on Deathly Glory Days, but take us through your training again. Like, are you a hundred mile a week guy or what are you running right now? 95s. So almost getting there, <laughs> getting there yeah. It, it pains me each day to. Well, you don't there. quite have what it takes, huh, kid? <laughs> right. <laughs> I always say that uh, more is, all, is more, but I realize now that um, I've won a few things that the younger guys are going to start taking that literally and now i have to yeah now i'll stop saying more is more but yeah sometimes more is more some yeah some yeah (laughs) you know like i feel like an athlete with your mentality is sometimes in like a little bit of danger of like just overdoing it because you know you have that hard charging mentality in races do you find yourself having to control that in training because you can't do it in every session, right? You can't just like run to exhaustion. So what, how do you like bottle it up and bring it out at certain times and not just run yourself into the ground in training? Right. I'm going to have to bring it back to Isaac. He, uh, yeah, he's definitely my, my rock. And, uh, yeah, he, he bark, he'll bark at me. He'll say, he'll, he'll, slow the fuck down like yeah that's that's because he's tired right yeah so (laughs) i mean yeah just having isaac there making sure that i don't cross that threshold of going too hard and also having uh we have parker hewn who uh he's on the team uh cross country team this year but he's uh sustained an injury and now he's an assistant coach for the season so having him there uh, every day of practice, looking at looking down his watch each time I lap around the track. I mean, he'll also bark at me if I'm going too fast. So yeah, have a very good support system, making sure I don't pop that bubble. So before you were Ethan Gregg, 28, 40, 10 care, you were Ethan Gregg, 441, 945 high school athlete. Kind of, this is a large question, but take us through just like, the mentality and the switch that you kind of had in college to go from, you know, being a four. I don't know if that's accurate mile split, you know, I'm sure there's a, another mile PR out there potentially, but this is what on, on your mile split, but take us through like what your mental switch was from being that type of athlete to where you are now. I definitely was a late bloomer, uh, physically all throughout high school. Like I, I always say that i I didn't even hit puberty till like last year, but the, the real mentality switch that I had was, uh, over COVID, uh, when everything, everything was shut down, it was uh, just the summer and I was just sitting, uh, just moved into my, uh, apartment first college apartment. 
and uh sitting next to some rollers that i never used and watching some like uh fog dog exclusive videos if you know who that is the drake runner i had like a very real it was like a really short really intense uh reality check of uh okay dude you had you had a really good freshman year you soaked all that in and uh you didn't take any of it for granted but are you truly are you truly doing everything you can to pour everything you can into being the fastest you can be and uh i told myself no i i wasn't so i remember i uh i grabbed the roller that was like across the room i started rolling out and i was like this is what little things are and then nutrition and then upping the mileage and uh overall really uh soaking in like every day at practice when we were able to get back to it soaking in all those moments and uh yeah i'm I'm going to take a lot of pride walking away from college knowing that I soaked in all those moments and uh, that I used every ounce of my being to be the runner I am. We're going to edit this down. So it sounds like you just like foam rolled and became a national champion. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what does it take? And he got on the foam roller and yada, yada, national champion. Um. I think a lot of athletes have had that type, that style of moment where they, they become aware of the things that they're not doing. Right. And I think there's two ways to react to that. One, there's the way that you reacted to it, where you just start doing those things. But I think a lot of people get so overwhelmed by the amount of things that they're not doing that they find it difficult to even start. Um, So how would you like counsel somebody who's like, they're sitting at home and they're like, man, I'm running mileage, but I'm not from rolling. I'm not doing strength. I'm not like eating well or taking care of myself. And and they just like feel like they can't even start because there's so much stuff. I would challenge them to have a very real conversation with themselves of how bad do they really want it. And if they're complacent with uh, just running the mileage and just showing up to meets like not saying like half-assed because they know they didn't do everything they physically could to perform on the day. Uh, that's all right. You can, you can, you can be, you can be complacent uh, with your running if you're comfortable with not, because it's, it's a lot of mental energy and it's all, yeah, it's a lot of time to do all those things and it's okay to not fully commit to those things. Uh, because you might have other things like a job, internship, relationships, all that. Um, but it just, for me, the only thing that comes down to is, uh, how bad do you really want it? And that's the question I think everyone should ask themselves. So I, I like that. It's like that. How bad do you want it? But there's also, I feel like another shift or another level to that, because I think I, me personally, like, I'm like, all right, now's the week I'm going to get back into running, you know, and I do two good days and then something comes up on a Wednesday. And next thing you know, it's like the next Here, week. here we go again. Stu's trying to talk himself into running more. He's, he's feeling yeah. inspired by a D3 glory days episode. Yeah. <laughs> Watch my logger on tomorrow or not logger on Strava tomorrow. RIP logger on. Anyway, what do you do to like, what do you do besides just, I want it more, but how do you sustain this mentality and like ride it out week after week? Cause what you're doing is like, obviously it's difficult, it's straining, but you find something that 
there's more than just like, how bad do you want it? So I guess what I'm trying to go with is like, what's that next level that's keeping you sustaining this excellence? My teammates, um, just showing up each day, day in and day out, knowing that I'm going to pour all my, pour, again, pour my heart into the, into this one practice, into this one workout, into this one recovery run. Uh, I know that guys are looking up to me and uh, guys are listening to what I'm saying. And if I show up, if I show up half-assing it, uh, show up with a shitty attitude, like that's going to just trickle down into the younger guys as, as well as guys in my grade. But uh, knowing that every day I have to show up, put on my, the, put on my, my game face, whatever that is. And what that means to me is showing up with 100% positivity, showing up with 100% um, awareness, as in checking in on all my teammates, making sure they're all good. And um, just knowing that uh, like guys like me and Isaac are setting the standard for uh, what is the day in and day out of the sport on this team. Man, I feel like you're learning like all the great lessons of how to be a great teammate, like so early in your career, which like, I feel like these are lessons that I have just, just now started to learn, like in the last couple of years, like on a professional team and you're learning it in college, which I think is really cool. But anyway, my question, so like attitude is everything, right? Like let's, let's say hypothetically you have this big key workout and you go in and you run like shit, feel horrible. It just goes terrible for you. How do you like, what's your attitude like in the aftermath of that workout? Like how fast are you able to compartmentalize it? Like do you allow yourself to feel frustrated? I'll give myself maybe like 10 minutes to be upset and pissed. And then I'll realize, Oh, again, come bring it back to the teammates. Oh, Corey had a, Corey had a fucking awesome workout. Reed had an awesome workout. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go uh, give them props. I'm going to, yeah. Ask them how it was. Uh, yeah, so that, I wouldn't say it's my def defense mechanism, but when I know I had a bad day, um, the first thing I do is I know how my day will get better if if I go ask and listen to my how my teammates are doing because uh those guys are those guys are my uh my family and everything yeah again everything I do uh is done with intent and it's done for them. Take us through kind of inside the culture of lacrosse. You know, from the MIT guys, we learned that there is a big sauna culture there. They're they're into saunas. They're into astrology. You know, what's the quirks of Wisconsin lacrosse? We, uh, I mean, we have a uh, cross country houses like every team does, but uh, I think we're very good at uh, just just being able to intermingle between uh, between classes. Just at a uh, but we call it the White House. That's where that's uh, been like the main uh, cross country house for like the last 15 years. And uh, it's not it used to be white, but now it's green. <laughs> but yeah, just uh, going over to White House, uh, playing some Wii Golf or Mario Kart and a bunch of guys, just like 30 guys crammed into a living room. Uh, yeah, just barking at each other, shooting the shit. So you always talk to us from your mom's closet. Why are you afraid to talk to us from your own house? 
my room is right next to the kitchen. And uh, every time that I've done the podcast, it's been right after practice. And that's when my four other roommates are cooking dinner. <laughs> so I was like, I'll, I'll be, yeah, I just wanted the best audio possible. We really appreciate that. Like you, have, <laughs> you, you actually have no idea how much we appreciate the thought you put into this. <laughs> well, and you get to go home and get a home cooked meal too. So it's like you get that as well. Exactly. It's amazing. One thing that I was thinking about as you're talking about, you know, what your, uh, what your team is all doing is you look back at where you were in high school and where you are now, you know, I'm sure there's like this, your high school, you'd be like, how the hell did we do that? Have you put a limit on where you think you can go? Have you thought about that given what you did on the, in Stanford? I have a, uh, I think I'm pretty sure I'm pretty delusional. So I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a limit for myself yet. I'm a hundred percent taking this post collegiately. Uh, I don't know where that's taking me. I haven't started, I, I haven't started that process yet, but, uh, I really think each year, as long as consistency is the main thing, as long as I don't get injured and as long as I don't have, uh, huge interruptions. I just don't see why I don't keep improving hugely each year. And that's what, uh, yeah, that's what keeps me going. Just knowing that, Hey, I mean, I PR at a minute uh, by a minute this year. Why can't, why can't I run 28 flat next year in that fast seat? Like that's not out of the picture in my brain. That's not that. I feel like that's just not a big ask, like to keep making these big improvements. As long as I stay mentally sharp. Have you experienced any major injuries in your career? None I would consider major. Uh, my, my quote, biggest one was I just had this nagging uh, knee injury my sophomore year. And uh, that put me out for six weeks, six or seven weeks. And so I had three weeks to get in shape for conference to qualify for nationals. And I was able to run 30.04 off of two two up weeks at like 70, 70 miles. And then uh, went to North Carolina. And yeah, that I always think about that injury because I look at it like, oh, I was able to get eighth at nationals off of three weeks, three, four weeks of training. So... Yeah. You must feel really good about your future prospects. I mean, being as sturdy as you are, but also like you're running 95 miles, which is a lot, but there's still like a lot of runway left if you start looking, you know, years down the road, especially post-collegiately. So yeah, is it is it like hard to contain your excitement knowing that like you kind of have this superpower of being pretty healthy, but also have a lot of room to improve on like the training side? Yeah, I I am very excited for the what the future holds post collegiately. Obviously, all my um all my mental energy is still focused on the next year and a half, about. But uh, I think again, as long as I stay consistent, stay healthy, I think big things are going to happen post collegiately. And I'm yeah, just yeah, possibilities are endless. You said a year and a half, given all this COVID eligibility, take us through. Plans? Are you grade wise a senior right now, but have that extra year because of COVID? Yeah, yeah. 
fourth so year senior. Fourth year senior. All right. So you're like a, academically a senior. And then would you do like a grad school year at D1? Or are you going to stay at lacrosse? Would you have plans yet? I'll be sticking at lacrosse. I think uh, why change if it's working and if I love it here and I love every part about this, like there's no reason to think bigger. Yeah, it's funny you said that because that's ex- I'm pretty sure that's almost word for word what Cassie Parker said when she stuck around at Loris. And, you know, obviously she just ran under 33 minutes and set her own record again. So I feel like there is a nice little consistency there when you when you stay. We've also seen, you know, Matt Wilkinson and Aiden Ryan go off and do, you know, and Ella Barron do some crazy things. But I think sounds like consistency, what you've been talking about in you know, maybe next year we can have you back in the, in your parents' closet again then too. I think so. Yeah. I'd like that. Maybe we'll fly out. We'll do like a live episode in your, in your parents' closet. We can put that together. Yeah. I'd love that. (laughs) Take this on the road. That's, that's going to take us to the next level is just in-home visits with the podcast. If you want to support D3 glory days and make sure we can get to people's homes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll fly frontier. Like when you sign up for Patreon, like you don't have to be too generous. Just sign up. Like we'll fly frontier. It'll be fine. Looking ahead back on track here, <laughs> uh, looking ahead to the end of the season, you mentioned you're going to take some, you know, I guess train, you're going to focus on train now up until whenever you probably do a 5k. Do you have a location of where this 5k would be at? Or are you just going to be a little bit more low key with the 5k? Um, I will be heading to Drake tentatively for the 5k and uh if the competition and the conditions the weather works out maybe maybe i get after it or maybe i just knock out a qualifier yeah was it again you see the same day you and alex Phillips trade off with uh records he was out there he got the 5k you saw cassie get her own 10k you were close to your 10k is that firing you up to watch other people kind of taking down some records yeah, I mean, seeing out what Alex Philp is doing, I mean, I remember just looking at Tifers like two years ago and being like, "Man, this guy is, this guy is the new standard," and I wanted to get to that point. So, very grateful for what Alex has done for this division. You're getting good opportunities to travel to high level races. And that's something that I think a lot of like, especially smaller D3 programs, like those those kids don't get a chance to to hop on planes and, you know, run at Stanford or whatever. So who in like, who in your organization is making those trips possible and who are, who's like advocating for you to get into these races? Definitely my coaches. I think they, uh, they had to do some convincing on the administration side, but, uh, all of UWL, uh, of the administration, Kim Bloom, they know, uh, what we got over here in our program. Like, the guys like Sam Blaskowski, uh, and they're will, uh, lacrosse is very willing to be able to put in those funds so we can do these great things and have these awesome experiences. Yeah. I saw that Sam's going out to LA for 200. Yes. Yes. Interesting. I think, what meat is it? I'm not sure, but, uh, he was telling me there might be some pros in there. So that, that'd be cool if he got to, got to face off with some cool names like he did at USA's. Does that add like a different level of pressure when, you know, you're going out to Stanford and like the administration okayed it because they know you're a great athlete, but like 
you don't want to like let them down and not get the chance next time. Do, do you ever think about that stuff or is it just straight ahead? Pretty straight ahead. I just, um, again, just the pretty unwavering confidence that I know I can get it done. And uh, obviously I think like I, I have those small little voices saying like, Oh, like, yeah, maybe I won't. If I, if I blow up and run like crap, maybe I won't get another cool opportunity, but, uh, yeah, just just the confidence that I know I'll be able to get it done. This is probably getting too far ahead, but seeing what you've done both in the 5K and the 3K in person and then hearing about your 10K, how long will you stay on the track post-collegiately? Will you go to the roads? Like, Have you thought about that at all, or is that too way too far in advance? Marathon. That's what I was saying. This, yeah, yeah, this kid's. That a, was my this leading kid's... question. Be like, when are you going to jump to the marathon? Yeah, no, this oh. guy's a this guy's a marathoner through and through. That's yeah. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the plan. Um, whatever coach I end up with, and whatever group I end up with post collegiate, I'll have those conversations because maybe I'll have one more solid year of strictly track focus. Um, but I think we're. I am going to thrive is yeah on the roads and um yeah roads are definitely going to be where my heart is that leads to my next question you know you mentioned you go to these dark places the pain cave whatever you want to call it how do you you said positive self-talk but how are you able to get to that level of you know being in the being in the hurt locker and being able to talk your way through it because I think that's a big struggle a lot of people have um, it's definitely a rare, a lot of people go to it, go to that dark place, but I don't think, uh, I don't think a lot of people can go do it for a long duration that some guys are able to like Dathan Ritzenheim, how he was able to just go to the well every single time for the entire race. Um, it just, yeah, stems all the way back to how bad do I truly want it? And another uh, little insight into my mentality is I uh, I don't really give myself an out or an option to because I know this is what I want to pursue after college. So I just tell them, like, this is your life, dude. So suck it up. <laughs> like, this is if you really, really want to do this you yeah you're gonna have to be in this dark place for 20 whatever minutes outside of your own running and your own team what's what's kind of exciting you about the running world right now either either in division three or otherwise i think just the uh the learning experience that i'll be able to explore and like the meeting new people like i mean talking with like the roots guys like you like uh meeting those people and uh growing my network and uh i really like hearing about people's stories and um so i don't make the same like maybe i may don't make the same mistakes as them in my um post-collegiate career because uh i definitely want to attack this that process correctly uh yeah so i'm just i'm yeah really excited just for the um the process of the entire thing of getting it set up and uh, talking to those right people and yeah, making it reality. I'm really excited for that part. Are you totally set on doing a fifth year? Cause you seem to be thinking a lot about professional running. 
I, yeah, I am a hundred percent set on a fifth year, but uh, I also do know that I do have to start thinking about that pretty early, not pretty early, but uh, I do know that that is, it's going to come closer than I, or it's going to come faster than I want it to. And um, like doing, I mean, yeah, I heavily researched it. I've been heavily researching it and uh, yeah, very, just very excited for that part of my life, but I'm also very excited even more excited for what this last chapter of my collegiate career is. Well, we should plug it. D3 podcast. What are you, what's, what do you do in school? I am a sociology major with a uh, minor in nutrition. Oh, nice. Yeah. Interesting combo, but I find it. Yeah. Two things I'm really interested in. And then do you get a master's in, in that fifth year or are you just saving some credits to do it in five? Just uh, just saving credits to do in five. I've been on the uh, I've been on the twelve credit load for a while. So it's you're not awesome. okay. So we won't. Yeah, you're not even going to class right now. You're just you're just running and taking yeah. a class or two. He's on yep. he's on the no Adrati plan. My <laughs> my yeah. my senior year, I had like two classes. Yep, I'm in an art class next semester. It's awesome. I did acting. Yeah, the, the Nezcac is gonna hear this and just like be throwing their books against the wall, hearing that like you're just taking like two classes and like all oh, these Wyatt guys never going to school. Yeah. Well, Ethan, thanks again for joining us. We got a deeper dive into the mindset that you have, and I, you know, excited to continue to see what you do. But also, I think you have the mindset to take you to the next level, which I'm excited to see what you can do once you're done with D3. But Excited to have you here for the time being. Yes, thank you for having me. And that's a wrap on our first episode back from a little host nationals break. Thank you guys for tuning in again. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Ethan for sitting down once again in his mom's closet to talk to us. Thanks to Ethan's mom for the donation of said closet. We really appreciate that. Thanks to all of you guys who have supported this podcast financially or otherwise. It really keeps the wind in our sails as we continue to grow our coverage of division three running, jumping and throwing past and present We'll be back uh, in your podcast here just about every week now. I think the break's over. The break's over. So we'll talk to you next time. Here's to the glory days.